RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy, and we are running up on Fight Week now. Just over uh, 10 days away from the return of Valor Fighting Challenge. It's going to be uh, the 71st installment, and it's going down July the 3rd from the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. We're going to dive into that card today with some interviews of uh, some of the prospects on that card. We're going to talk to Rocket Ray Hewlett, uh, who's going to be in flyweight action in a rematch against Nick Ferguson. Uh, we've got one half of the main event uh, fighting for the vacant 170-pound title. We're going to talk to uh, uh, Alan Miller, who has got an awesome story, a former Amish uh, community uh, member who who ran away from home essentially uh, to pursue this uh, MMA thing, and he and he's quite the story and quite the athlete. And talk to him as well as Jackson Donovan, who is undefeated, and he is looking to go to five and zero next weekend. We're going to talk to all three of those guys, and then after that, we're going to break down last weekend's UFC card as well as preview this upcoming UFC card, and I am joined for all the fun by Justin Watson and Greg Hopkins tonight. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Doing good, doing good. Yeah, I'm yeah, doing it's great. It's been man. a minute. It's been a while since we've had a Greg Hopkins sighting. Uh, Justin and I have been holding it down after we came back from this COVID break. What's been going on in your world, Greg? Oh, well, we had that tornado come through, and ever since then, I've been doing a lot of work out in the, just around the surrounding areas, cleaning up trees and all kind of debris and stuff and whatnot, but it's starting to look like normal back around here again, so I'm getting ready to start training again. Like, I'm about to start, you know, put up the chainsaw and pull up the gloves. Very good, man. Very good. We got some news to uh, take care of before we get into these interviews. A few dates announced uh we have now got a date for valor 72 it is going to be august the 7th once again from the world famous cotton eye joes and that will be a big pro-am show we're going to be announcing some fights uh next week on that one and then uh just today it has been determined that we will make a return to chattanooga uh september that will be uh september the 12th for our return to chattanooga at the camp jordan arena so excited for uh the upcoming months it's going to be uh, back to action i'm excited because uh, we had so many months off that uh, you know i'm ready to get back to work dive back into this a lot of guys are ready to fight including our lineup of guests tonight so let's jump into our interviews and let's get rocket ray on the line first All right, up first on the line this evening, we have got Rocket Ray Hewitt on the line. We are going to dive into a little conversation with Ray here as we get ready for his next bout. It's coming up next Friday night, July 3rd at VFC 71 from the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. Ray, how's it going, my man? It's going great, man. How are you? Good, good, good. Hey, yeah, man, glad to talk to you. I'd say this is your hell week over there as you're getting ready uh, to make this weight cut and get ready to step back into the cage after this uh, this COVID shutdown. Uh, you're getting ready to uh, to do a, a rematch here, actually, it looks like, against uh, Nick Ferguson, guy you faced uh, back in February earlier this year. But before we get to that, uh, since this is your first time on the show, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you and you know your background, how you got into MMA, and just kind of your story up till now. Um, well, I'm 24 years old. I've 
usually fight at 125 pounds. Um, I've been training martial arts for probably about three years. I uh, I really got into it, man, because I was just tired of sitting on the couch every day being a piece of shit. You know what I mean? So right, right. I got up and I was like, man, I'll, you know, I've always wanted to box. So let me go see what this gym's about. And I ended up taking some kickboxing and that turned into jujitsu. And next thing I know, I was fighting. So That's great, man. So you made your debut uh last year so far two and two uh and like you said you've been uh, campaigning as a flyweight here uh gotta say guys if you haven't seen ray he is one of the the tallest uh lengthiest flyweights that you're gonna see anywhere uh in the world really you know uh you're what you're six foot tall you're awfully near six foot tall aren't you yeah yeah i'm almost there i'm like i think they put me at like five eleven and a half so you might as yeah. well call it six and, and that's so rare to see uh with flyweight so uh you know that's a that's a great advantage that you got How, is the weight cut for you going to 125 tough or is it when it, it seems like most of the time when i see a weigh-ins you don't seem like you're too worse for wear no nah, man uh the weight cut actually isn't too bad so my first two fights i fought natural at like 130 pounds because uh, when I first started training, I think I was walking at like a buck 22 soaking wet. Oh, wow. Um, so like the last, yeah, the last year and a half or so has been really about like me bulking up outside of uh, MMA and fighting so I can make the cut down and, you know, walk in the cage a little bigger and stronger. So shout out to Frankie's Body Shop. You know, I trained down there. They put a lot of weight on me in the last year and a half or so. so yeah, I was going to say. The weight cut's not too bad, man. I only come okay. down about 10 pounds. So. That's that's not too bad at all, you know, and I was going to say, I see you on social media, you know, obviously putting the work in uh, with your brother, Dan, uh, who's also on this card. Uh, you guys over at Frankie's Thanks. Body Shop and you guys are you can tell you guys are really putting a lot of effort and focus on that uh, strength and conditioning. Yeah, man, me and Dan, uh, you know, we're, we're a great pair. We push each other real hard. You know, he's my big brother. So there's always a little bit of that brotherly competition going on. But uh, we just we refuse to be outworked, man. You know we're not the most talented people in the world, but if you if you show up and you work hard, you get results. So. Hey, man, I love that attitude. Let's talk a little bit about uh, training leading up to this. You know, as everyone else uh, has had to deal with this COVID shutdown, the gyms have been uh, on weird schedules. And I know you're at KMAA there, so they've kind of been up and, and cranking back now, you know, for a month or so. What has this has this camp been any different than normal camps as far as preparation goes with the with the COVID regulations? Or has it seemed like it's been uh, business as usual? Um, I mean, you know, I still try to keep the same attitude, come in and work hard. Um, obviously, with the COVID guidelines, you know, classes have been a little different. We've been doing a lot of like solo drills and, and things like that. So there hasn't been a whole lot of sparring involved. But I mean, aside from that, you know, I feel like my cardio got a little better because we're always wearing masks and stuff. Yeah, you know, no but doubt. Uh, um, the only thing I wish I could change is, you know, I wish I would have had a little bit more hands on sparring. But uh Either way, man, I, I feel better, you know, than I've ever felt. And every time I walk in the cage, I get more comfortable. So, Well, coming into this fight, obviously, uh, you know, rosters were a little thinner with the, with everybody just kind of starting back up uh, with training and whatnot. So, you know, 125 is not the deepest division. So it looks like we've got a rematch on our hands here. Guy, uh, Nick Ferguson, who you fought, uh, like I said earlier uh, in the year, uh, in February, I believe, got him out of there with a submission, a rear naked choke 
or no, it's guillotine choke um, in the first round. He kind of he kind of asked for this, you know. I, I I was talking to your coach Eric Turner before, and uh, he was like, you know, if, if we could find anybody else, it'd be better, uh, you know, not to fight the same guy again, so get some different looks. That makes sense, you know. But uh, ultimately, there just weren't a lot of 125 guys out there available for this one. Nick Ferguson uh, asked for the rematch, said he'd like to run it back with you. Uh, what's that like? You know, is that is it hard to get motivated to fight a guy that you've already beat, or is it one of those things where you're like, you know, I gotta buckle down here because I don't want to let this guy knock me off, and and you know, that's a, a bad loss. I've already beat him, you know. Yeah, no, for me, man. I mean, it's always it's always the same grind. It doesn't matter really who I'm fighting. You know, I respect anybody that's willing to get in the cage with me. Um, you know, I did finish him super early in the first round, uh, the first fight, but I think that's going to give him, you know, a little more motivation. And as a fighter, man, the people you got to worry about the most are people that have nothing to lose. You know, he, yeah. he's 0-1 in one MMA fight, so he's he's probably going to come out pretty hot. You know, I expect him to bring everything he's got to this fight. So um, I'm not too worried about fighting him again. You know, I'll always run it back with anybody that wants to do it. I just like to, and, and at this point in my career, it's just about cage time, man. I just want to get in the cage as much as I can. Is there a side of you that kind of wants to maybe, maybe get some, some cage time in this time, maybe, uh, you know, try some different things and, uh, and just kind of, you know, uh, just get some more minutes under your belt or are you looking to go in there and just uh, get him out of there? Um, I mean, uh, I try not to make plans for the fights, man, because when you make a, when you make a plan, you get too caught up and that's how you get caught. Um, sure. I wasn't looking for the finish. It just happened. That's kind of how it's happened in, in both my wins. You know, I, I go in prepared to go to the distance. And if if the finish gives itself to me, I'll take it every time. <laughs> Is there anything that you've been working on in particular that you want to show off for this fight, uh, you know, the, to kind of uh, show some improvement from, from your uh, previous bouts? Um. I mean, I've been working on my stand-up a lot, obviously, since the first my first two losses were on the feet. So, you know, I've, I've been putting a lot of grind wins, into my right. I've uh, I've been putting a lot of grind into my stand-up, but I also, you know, I work on everything. I'm I'm from an MMA gym. There's not one thing we do that's better than the other. So, you know, we just we work on everything all day, every day, and the results come. What's it like having your brother on the card? You know, you guys have fought. I don't know that you fought on the same card every time, but it's, this certainly isn't the first time. Uh, what's it like, uh, you know, fighting with your brother, Dan, who, who uh, is going to be fighting uh, for the first time down at uh, Featherweight, man, uh, this time? He's going to have a little yeah. bit. He will, he will, on the other hand, probably have an unpleasant weight cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a uh, – I don't know, man. Dan does pretty good with the weight cut for as far as he cuts. You know, he, he does what we tell him to do. He listens to all of our coaches and – so we, we keep him pretty healthy through the weight cut. Um, I think his first fight was my second fight, and, and it was his first time on the card. So I had a hard time warming up for that fight. I was worried about him. He was in the cage, you know, his first fight. I didn't know how that was going to go. Sure. Apparently he went out there and kicked ass, and I had no idea because I was in the back warming up for my fight. But, you know, once we got past that first fight, you know, we kind of talked about it. We're like, look, you know, I I trust what you know. You trust what I know. There's there's no reason for us to worry about each other. We got to focus on what we're doing, but I yeah, feel like there's some competition there, you know, just be a brothers, you know, he's got a couple of submissions of the night. I'd love to get another night award. I don't have one yet. So, 
you've come really close, man. You pulled off some slick ones. Like I remember you've been in the front running on shows early and then somebody will come through with like a twister or a, uh, or a Von Prue or something like that. You know, uh, I'm excited for it, man. Uh, before I let you go, I want to let you get some shout outs where they are due. Any uh, training partners, sponsors, friends, family, you want to give some love to, uh, I'll let you do it now. And then you can round it out by letting our listeners know where they can find you on social media. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, first of all, shout out to Eric Turner and Knoxville Martial Arts Academy. You know, they they took me in when I didn't know anything, and, and they've really molded a really good fighter out of me. Um, shout out to Dre Miley. He pushes me real hard. He's a great training partner of mine. Any questions I have, he answers. Um, same thing with Jason King, man. You know, they're two of our pros. Um, they push me real hard. They never let me slack, but they always answer whatever questions I have. And, uh, of course, a lot of love to my brother, Dan, man. I wish him luck in his fight coming up. Uh, he, he should do great at Featherweight. I look forward to seeing it. Um, you guys can find me on social media. Uh, all my handles are the same. Rocket underscore Ray underscore 130. Outstanding, man. We appreciate the time, Ray. Once again, folks, this has been Rising Flyweight Prospect from KMAA, Rocket Ray Hewlett. You can catch him in action once again uh, as he goes into a rematch with Nick Ferguson next Friday night, July the 3rd, from the world-famous Cotton Eye Valor 71. You can catch it on uh, pay-per-view if you can't be there live and in person at vfcmma.com. And if you can make it and you're coming to support Ray, then you need to go to Fighter Ticks. That's ticks with an X.com. Make sure you select Ray's name from that drop-down menu so he can get some credit there. Thanks so much for the time, Ray. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Hey, man, I can't wait. Thanks for having me. All right, up next on the line, we've got one half of our main event for next weekend's July 3rd extravaganza VFC 71 from the world famous Cotton Eye Joe. We're going to crown a new welterweight champion uh, in the amateur divisions. And and one half of that title bout right here is with us tonight. We've got Alan Miller on the line. Alan, how's it going? Uh, It's going great. uh, Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate that. Absolutely, man. It's the first time we've had you on, and I believe we owed you one, honestly, because all those dudes on the Pigs panel picked against you um, time before last, and you won. So uh, it's, this is kind of like a long time coming anyway. Uh, you know, you've uh, you fought for us a couple times now. You've been in two really good fights, both uh, both times against Parker Wadman. Y'all split um, decision wins in that one. Uh, but both fights, you know, you, you were obviously going out there looking to looking to fight, looking to put on a show, uh, you know, forward pressing all the time. Just a very uh, impressive fighter i've got to say uh before we get into what you got coming up here next weekend though i want to give you a chance to kind of give a little backstory for everybody uh that that aren't familiar with you so this is your first time on the line with this i want to let our listeners get acquainted with you kind of give a little bit of your background how you got into mma and i gotta say you know um your coach, Ian Lawler, uh, up there in Kentucky, the, the first time he reached out to me, he's like, man, I've got this, I've got this Amish kid, Alan Miller. He's a, he's a handful, man. He, you know, you got to get him on a show down here. He's like, all right, yeah, cool. Uh, bring it down. And you were, uh, delivered everything that, that he said you would, man. So I'm definitely a fan. Give our listeners a little backstory on, uh, you know, what got you to this point. Yeah. So, you know, I, I grew up Amish for most of the people that don't know about it. That's why my nickname is actually the Amish assassin. You know, that's what they gave me. I, you know, my family is still Amish. Uh, you know, it was difficult, you know, leaving them behind. But when I was about 15 years old, I always knew of boxing, but when I was about 15 years old, I got introduced to MMA and I 
the first person I ever watched fight was Uriah Faber back in the WEC days. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I was like, man, that looks like something I would want to get into. So when I turned 17, I run away, you know, because it's the only choice you got. And uh, I started pursuing this dream. And uh, here I am, you know, two and a half years later, I'm fighting for your welterweight title. You know, I've, it's honestly... You know, it's it's a crazy life that I've lived, you know, I mean, coming up from, you know, driving horse buggies to being able to drive a car and stuff, it's, I, I was born and raised in America, but man, it felt, I feel like I grew up in two different worlds, you know, sure. it's, it's so much different. And so, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm excited to once and once again, put on a performance for you guys. You know, I, I must say for all the shows that I've competed at, Yours is probably my favorite. I, I really do. I mean, I, I love fighting for you guys. Hey, man, that's that's an honor to hear that. I appreciate the kind words. And man, your story fascinates me in, a, in an odd way, I've got to say, just because I don't know, uh, obviously, what it's like uh, to grow up Amish and, uh, you know, to essentially just not have the uh, the luxuries if you will that that we're just so used to uh it, so i can only imagine like how it would blow your mind to be you know a teenager and for the first time just kind of be like you said driving a car and and uh, probably cell phones and things like that or uh it, it's it's really fascinating to me honestly i think that's a big part of like why i'm a fan of yours because i'm just like man this kid is uh you know he's really just kind of like emerged from like a different world uh and is really just uh Shining out there, man. You're, you're a good sized guy at 155. Now you typically fight 155. We got to preface that. And your opponent, uh, Carter Beekman, in this one, he's another guy that was. You guys are pretty much two 155s that you know maybe got a little bit bigger during the COVID break. I'm guessing. Not want to make that cut, or is it? Are you making this move to 170 because you just gotten bigger? And you don't want to make that weight cut, or is it 55 where you're going to be? Yeah, going back yeah. To? This is this is my official uh, welterweight debut. You know, I, I'm just too big. I mean, I you know I started out at 145 and you know as i you know kept training and kept you know lifting some weights and, you know just doing the mixed martial arts lifestyle i grew so i had to make the bump of 155 and you know now i'm i'm yeah this is i'm officially on so this is 170 from here on out yeah i will not make the cut to 155 anymore it's it's it was just too rough i mean if I, when I was in my last couple of fights, if I was cutting to 155, by the next night I walked into the cage, I was 180. Yeah. I and mean, it was just, I was cutting too much. And so I want to do it more healthier. You know, if I'm not the bigger opponent in there, that's fine. I believe my skills and uh, heart will pay off in places like that. And, you know, I have always had phenomenal cardio to go with that. So this will be the first time you're fighting where you actually probably feel good, where you actually feel non-depleted, you know? So it'll be, be really interesting, yeah. I think, you know, to see how you perform without yeah, having you know, to drain yourself. Yeah, you know, normally by this time, you know, leading up to a fight, I'm very depleted and, you know, I'm living on a lot of, a whole lot of nothing, you know, really. And I, I've been able to, you know, eat healthy meals, but still good meals. And I, I feel fresher. I, I feel, I feel really good. Um, I'm very excited to fight at 170. Let's talk a little bit about your uh, your your matchup we've got coming up here next week. It's the main event, and I'm stoked for it. Whenever this fight started coming together, I was like, man, this is going to be really good because 
mean, you guys are both all action fighters. You know, I think that, uh, you know, your, your opponent, Carter Beekman coming in at three and one, he is, uh, he is an all action guy. He's, he's just like you. He comes forward, he throws heat, he, you know, he throws hard and, uh, It'll be really interesting to see how you guys, uh, how those styles clash because you're both super durable, hard to hard to get out of there, and you uh, and you throw that heat. So talk a little bit about the matchup. Is there anywhere uh, you know that you feel like you've got to respect him more more so than others, or you feel like you've got the upper hand everywhere? Uh, you know, as far as opponents go, I feel I feel I probably got the experience on him. You know, I've, I mean, I've fought the who's who in this region, you know. Sure. I fought guys like Parker Wadman since my first fight, you know. I mean, I, they just, it just never was an easy out for me. And, uh, and I'm, I'm not taking him lightly. I mean, I know he's going to come and I know he's a tough, very, very tough fight. Uh, you know, from what I know of him, I think he's a stand up guy. You know, he likes to stand and bang, as, as do I, you know, but mm-hmm. I do, you know. I think I think my uh, ground game is very very underrated. I guess not really had to show it yet in times, but uh, and then there's been able there's been times that I just didn't get to show it. So I, I think my uh, I think my ground game is very underrated, and uh, I'm looking forward to exploring that July third. Let's talk a little bit about your uh, your uh, your aspirations here, man. Is this uh, you know? To me, uh, you know, the fact that you essentially ran away from uh, from home, you know, and uh, to, to kind of pursue this tells me that you're dialed into it. So I probably already know the answer to this question. But what are your long term goals here? You know, do we let's let's get some long term and short term goals out there. Is there anything that say you want to well, accomplish over the next year? And then what's your long term thing? Are we trying to go to the UFC with this thing? Yeah, you know, my long term goal is I want to be a professional world champion in a major in a major organization such as Bellator or the USC or one championship. And, uh, I, I happen to know a guy named Tim Wood that, you know, has dealt with Bellator before. So absolutely. I think they'll be hearing something, I, I something real soon. So, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to talk, you know, we'll have to talk. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. Absolutely. And you've got such a good story that they, you got the kind of story that, that a promotion like Bellator just eats up. You know, uh, this is for the title, but this is something more than a title to me. I am fighting for my life. When I walked out of that house that night, when I left the Amish, you know, I left my family behind. My family has nothing to do with me. You know, that's just the Amish way. I have, I have seen my family twice in six years, and uh, this is for my life. I am willing to die in that cage to win and make it where I want to make it. Like that's just, it's just me. I, 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 I am going to succeed in this game. I will. I love the attitude, man. Before I let you go, I want to let you get some shout outs where they're due. Any uh, training partners, friends, family, sponsors, any love you want to give, uh, I'll let you do that now and then uh, finish it up by letting our listeners know where they can find you on social media. Yeah, absolutely. You know, first off, I want to give a shout out to my coaches. You know, Ian Lawler and Will Ewer. You know, they've they've been in my corner since day one, and they're like they're like big brothers to me. And uh, they they've been a big part of my success. I want to give a give a shout out to my training partners. You know, you'll see you'll see a couple of them on the same fight card: Jacob Rates, uh, Taylor Burton, and uh, Gary Clarkson. They they'll all be on the card as well. 
And, uh, yeah, you know, Somerset Martial Arts, they, that's where I train at. And, uh, yeah, that's that's my team. Uh, you know, big shout-out to them. They're a big part of uh, helping me get ready for all my fights. Once again, this has been one of the top prospects in the Southeast you're talking to right here. Alan Miller about to become a welterweight prospect uh, for the first time here as he made events and goes for the welterweight championship against a very tough Carter Beekman uh, next week of hour 71. It goes down July the 3rd for the world famous Cotton Eye Joe. If you can't be there in person, you can check it out live on pay-per-view at VFCMMA.com. If you can make it live, though, go to Fighter Ticks. That's Ticks with an X.com. Make sure you select Alan Miller's name there so he gets some uh, some love there. And uh, uh, make sure you check this one out, guys. This is going to be a great main event, and uh, Alan is certainly a guy that you want to keep an eye on. Alan, thanks so much for the time. Really looking forward to seeing you next week. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys having me on. Can't wait to put on a show for you guys. All right, rounding out our guest this evening, we've got Jackson Donovan on the line. Jackson getting ready to uh, return to the cage once again and trying to keep that O intact as he comes in. What are you, 4-0 and o now? 4-0 or 5-0 and o Jackson is coming into this uh, uh, yeah, next weekend. 4-0. and o. Jackson, how's it going, dude? I appreciate you taking a few minutes to join me. It's going good, man. How are you doing? Doing well, man. Getting excited to get back to action. That's what I've got. I'm just like stoked uh, because it's been so long, you know, with this COVID shutdown, I've not known what to do with myself. And so to finally know that we are just over a week away from uh, from dancing under those lights uh, in that uh, it makes me real happy. Makes me really happy, too, man. I've been going crazy without the gym. So, you know, you're you're coming into this thing 4-0, uh, looking to go 5-0, and uh, coming off a win in your last one uh, against Bradley Brakefield. Let's let's revisit that because this isn't your – usually I have you guys, like, introduce yourself as your first time. This isn't your first time with us. So, um, you know, you, you fought – we talked to you before the Bradley Brakefield fight. You got him out of there uh, with a submission, like, right towards the end of the first round. If I can recall, there's like 10 seconds left or maybe the maybe less than that. Um, uh, Brakefield, very tough guy, but uh, you managed to get him out of there where a lot of guys have not. Uh, talk a little bit about that fight and uh, that win. Yeah, you know, I was really excited for the matchup. I came in there very hyped up. He came in there with something to prove as well because, unfortunately, you know, his father died, so he was fighting for something mm-hmm. bigger. Um, I just followed my game plan. I really wanted to show off my striking and stuff like that, so I hit him with a good body kick. He didn't really react. I was just moving, judging distance. I hit him with another one, swept up his leg, and then took him to the ground. Um, started grinding and pounding on him. He hit me with maybe one good shot. Then I eventually passed his guard, and he actually rolled me over, which is a huge mistake because I have a great guard and I work on it all the time. Threw up an arm bar. He got out, busted my face a little bit, and then I finished him with an arm bar with one second left and just heard his arm pop and let go. So. So Bradley is going to make a turnaround on about the same pace. He'll be fighting your teammate, uh, Nick Wigley, uh, on this card. And I know that you and Nick are, you know, pretty, pretty regular training partners. You've been uh, giving Nick some pointers there. Uh, yeah. Me and Anthony both have been giving pointers. Actually. I was just with him last Sunday. We were training and doing some sparring and, uh, stuff like that. So I'm really getting him ready for Bradley and what he's going to bring. So, yeah. Uh, it'll be good. I think Nick will go in there, put him away with his judo and his submissions. So. 
you know, it's a big fight for uh, for both the you and Nick here. Uh, you know, some some title aspirations starting to, to kind of come into the forefront. You guys have been plugging away uh, over the last year or more, you know, uh, you know, get, getting that record up and, uh, you know, kind of increasing your level of opposition each time to where now that those titles are starting to uh, come into the come into to, to where you can see them like they're getting close. Uh, you know, let's talk about this fight that you've got coming up here. You've got Deshaun Morton. Now, this is a bit of a mystery for all of us here Deshaun coming down from Ohio uh this will be the first time that this group has uh has competed down here he is uh from what I gather mainly a striker but he looks like he's athletic explosive uh talk a little bit about this matchup and uh some of the things we can look forward to seeing yeah you know I was really confused on who was going to fight for a long time. I'm really anxious about it. I'm like, ah, oh, I want to know. Um, and then I found out, did some research on him, not too much, because I like to focus on what I'm doing. And I found out that he's two and four, um, lost his last two, and he's been a amateur since 2017, so he has a decent amount of experience. But we have about the same amount of fights. So Now, um you know, if you you get this win here, which I'm sure you're expecting to do, uh, you know, there, there's some talk of a quick turnaround for you, uh, you know, moving on just to the very next card, potential title fights on the uh, on the horizon here. Uh, is this one of these where you want to you want to get in there and, and get it over with as soon as possible? Or is there is there anything you're looking to work on, uh, you know, get some cage time? What is uh, what's kind of the game plan going in here? Not to reveal too much, obviously. Oh, uh, yeah. You know. I really I work on all aspects of my game, my striking, my wrestling, my jiu-jitsu. I'm trying to master them all. I'm really trying to go in there and get as much experience as I can because once you turn pro, you really can't turn back. So I want to get that experience. Obviously, I'm going to try to put them away as fast as I can, and that's what I will do. But wherever it goes, if it goes three rounds, if it goes 10 seconds, 20 seconds, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to fight as hard as I can. So. Absolutely, man. What's the atmosphere been like at KMAA in the lead up uh, to this thing? You know, it's been, we've had the shutdown for uh, COVID for the past few months. Uh, I know you guys have already been up and running now for a month or more, but uh, has this uh, camp seemed any different because of the, you know, the COVID regulations or restrictions or have you guys managed to keep it somewhat normal? Yeah, well, it, things were kind of weird for a while with the COVID. You know, we couldn't really do a lot of the normal things we were doing, but we're just trying to get better and stay in shape and stuff like that. I really wish the virus never happened because I had a lot of big plans. I was going to try to fight three or four or five times this year, but I'll still try to get a good amount of fights in, but we just do the same. We're always working, you know, and pushing each other. So it's not too, too far from normal. Well, the one thing about it is that, you know, everybody's kind of in the same boat. So it's like, you know, that's one thing that you can kind of take comfort knowing that, like, you know, your opponent hasn't gotten to train any more than you. <laughs> uh, at the end yeah, of the there day. we go. So, that always feels good, you know. Uh, so the atmosphere, I'm guessing, you know, you guys have got, what, nine, ten people on this card. Um, I, I know I'm close on that number. Is, is it is a lot of energy starting to build up since, you know, it's been a few months since anybody's gotten to compete uh, for the most part, with the exception of, you know, Ovens. But uh, I've got to imagine that you guys are, are, are chopping at the bit. Yeah, we're all ready. You know, we're bloodthirsty, so we love to fight. That's what most of us love to do. So we're pretty much just trying to get in there, get our wins, and just keep fighting as much as we can. You know, we're the best around, and we're going to keep getting better. What is the fight that you can, uh, you know, obviously your fight is the fight that, uh, you know, you're the most excited for, but what else is there on this card that you're that, that you're going to make sure you kind of duck out from behind the curtain to, to, to check out? 
I definitely want to watch Nick and Bradley. You know, I think Bradley's probably improved, and he's someone I always love to watch fight the same way as Nick. So I really am excited to see that fight. I think it'll be a really good fight. Absolutely, man. Well, we're certainly excited for it, man. You know, we've only got about a week to go. You'll be uh, chasing five and zero oh now, climbing the rankings very, very quickly. Uh, you know, before I let you go, I want to let you give the shout outs as usual here. Uh, any uh, sponsors, training partners, friends, family you want to show some love to, I'll let you do that. And then uh, also where our listeners can find you on social media. Yeah, sure. Um, I just want to give a shout out to uh, my head coach, Eric. Yeah, he's always great. We've really ramped up the intensity and stuff like that. He's really gotten into us and in our stuff, trying to make us as best as we can. Joey, my other head coach, Dre, someone who helps me a lot. Uh, Ray Hewlett, one of my main training partners. All my friends, uh, my girlfriend, my mother, my godfather. And that's about it with the shout outs. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at JD underscore dot 14. That's where I'm mainly at. I post most of my fight stuff. And then you can find me at Facebook under Jackson Donovan. Once again, this has been uh, rising flyweight and bantamweight, dual prospect, undefeated Jackson Donovan, getting ready to return to the cage next Friday, July the 3rd, for Valor 71 from the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. be taking on Deshaun Morton. And if you're going to make it live, you make sure you go to fighterticks.com and select Jackson Donovan's name from that drop-down menu. Uh, show him some love. Otherwise, you can check it out live on pay-per-view. VFCMMA.com will have uh, the goods there. Thanks so much for joining us, Jackson. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Thanks so much to all three of our guests for taking some time out of their evening on Hell Week before Valor 71. Looking forward to seeing them all in action next week at the Joe. Let's turn to our second segment now, gentlemen, as we get ready to recap the UFC from last weekend from the Apex Center in Las Vegas. It was uh, headlined by heavyweights, um, heavyweights that were just kind of like in a weird treading water zone kind of fight, it was Curtis Razor Blades getting a unanimous decision over Alexander Volkov. Uh, heavy favorite was Blades. Uh, he kind of told everybody coming in, don't expect a whole lot of uh, slugging here. He's going to take him down and he's going to grind this out. And that's exactly what he did. First three rounds for sure. Uh, slowed down a little bit in the last couple rounds, but it was too far gone at that point. Um, uh, Curtis Blades, uh, man, I don't know where he goes from here, though, guys. This is kind of one of those spots where he's just kind of uh, got to sit and wait because there's a line for uh, for that top spot. Uh, Greg, your thoughts? Um, I think that Curtis Blades really embarrassed himself for the mirror. I know he said that he he, he said he was going to take him down and grind him out, but the way he was talking big like he was, it sounded like he was going to finish Volkov, and um, I'm mad at him because he didn't. That's the reason being is because I, I took the under two and a half, under three and a half, and then I took Blades to finish him in the third, third, fourth, and fifth, and didn't even put one bet on him going to the decision. And uh, my original bet was Curtis Blades all the way, but minus four, four hundred, it was he was too big of a favorite to even try to, you know, blink at really. Justin, but, yeah. uh, your thoughts on this uh, main event? You know, Curtis Blades, um, he sounds like he is going to be content to kind of just sit and wait on how things shake out at the top of the heap. Uh, Dana White, on the other hand, said if he were him, he would stay busy and, and fight again. What's uh, your take? Yeah, I, I agree with Greg um, and, and Dana. I mean, you know, the way that he talks and the way that he looked in the fight 
aren't the same the way he talked after the, i mean did you see the post-fight interview he had his eyes closed he could barely yeah, breathe. Yeah. you know he's not ready for <laughs> like what what do you think he he went 53 or 54 percent uh on his takedowns he landed a lot he landed a record you know 13 or 14 takedowns but he shot 25 or 26 i mean if a guy's running you in a small cage all day long and all you can do is try to fight off takeoff takedowns and you fight off 50 percent of them you're doing pretty damn good Volkov mm-hmm. just wasn't getting any strikes off when he was on the feet but you know, when Blades did take him down, he did zero. You know, Volkov also did zero. Volkov held his guard closed, didn't try to no, – no sweeps, no submission attempts. Um, I think it was a poor showing for both guys. And uh, Curtis Blades saying, you know, how are you going to deny me a title shot now is – I think he should uh, evaluate things a little bit. You know, obviously Francis is next in line, and – you're not going to get a rematch with Francis. You definitely don't want one, you know. Um, and, you you know, if you're looking at those as your number one and number two guys coming up to fight for the title, then Curtis Blaze doesn't really make much of a case for a title shot. Um, so, I don't know. I think that uh, he definitely needs to get another fight in. Um, and if, if it were me, I would want to get it in as quick as possible and get that taste out of my mouth. Um he could have finished the fight. He had every opportunity to finish the fight in the first round if he wanted to. Uh, he just didn't. He didn't didn't do anything. I think he um, he said that you know Volkov was a lot harder to take down than he was expecting. But I don't know, man. He was winning on the feet too. He just didn't do much of it. So um, inactivity. You know, it was just he, his whole thing was just you know just go a thousand percent for the takedown and um, and they weren't you know, the smartest takedowns in the world. He's going for big lifts almost every time, you know, against a guy that's super tall and, and has strong legs, like, you know, utilize some, some trips and stuff and, and go for the easier takedown instead of blowing your wad every single time you're, you're attacking, you know? Well, well, I've never I've been, been a, a real big fan of Curtis Blades. I, I never really hide that whenever we do these previews. I, I'm just not excited for his fights typically, you know? They're just not you know, exciting heavyweight fights. Typically, I think he referred to himself as a heel now after this, but to me, he's got more like that X-Pac heat instead of like the good kind of heat. Like he, he's a heel to me, but it's just cause I don't even want to see him fight. You know, yeah. it's not that I, it's not like he's a heel in the turn in the way that like Conor McGregor would be a heel. It's like, no dude, I, this is, this is bullshit. <laughs> you, know? Yeah, and, you know, we're going to talk about it here in a second, but like to have that kind of performance, you know, Following an Emmett and Burgos, nobody, you know, if, if, if you pull a thousand fans, 999 of them are going to say that they would have rather switched main event and come main event spots. Give oh, Emmett yeah. and Burgos the main event would have been a thousand times better of a fight. Get two more rounds of that, you know, and I think that hurts Curtis Blades even worse. You know, if it, if it was a, a lackluster co-main, then it wouldn't be as obvious. But, you know, everybody's super hype after that you know, crazy fight, and then he goes in there and just shits the bed, basically. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk What's about that co-main event, because it well, it lived up to the hype, and, you know, Justin and I last week were saying, you know, this is the fight that we're excited to see. Uh, it was uh, a three-round war, man, and uh, it was Josh Emmett uh, picking up the win over Shane Burgos. I was on Burgos, i got to say, on this one, so I called that one wrong, but, it, but I knew that it was super close, and um, very good performance from both guys, man. You know, uh, Josh Emmett dropped him like three times in the third round, racking up the 
those points for uh, DFS. And uh, man, tell you what, uh, that was uh, everything that we expected it to be. Really good win. Josh Emmett, you know, he was vocal afterward that, you know, he's kind of tired of getting shit on, you know, doesn't get the respect that he that he thinks he deserves from people. And uh, yeah, I think he said he's going to stop doing like media requests and things like that until he starts getting some uh, re- some respect on his name. Uh, Justin. Yeah, I uh, I was on Burgos too, man. You know, even as the fight was going on into the second round, I wasn't questioning it at all. And even in the third round, I just kept thinking, I mean, this dude is massive. Like oh, yeah. Josh Josh Emmett is is a, a tank, but Shane Burgos was huge. And at any time, I felt like he could he could turn it on, but he just didn't. But the the uh, most impressive part of the fight, I think, uh, for me was Emmett was throwing bombs. Every time he threw a punch, I mean, he was throwing, you know, as hard as he possibly could the entire fight. You know, usually you see guys do that uh, for a round and then they regret it. Um, coming second and third, and the dude was just throwing so hard. Burgos's chin is unbelievable, obviously, but his uh, his fight IQ, I think, needs to needs to go up a little bit. There just wasn't any reason to to take those shots a lot of times. Um, but I don't really know where, where Emmett's coming from on the, you know, thinking he's not getting respect. I feel like he, I haven't ever heard anything negative about him. And, um, I don't know. I always looked, looked at him pretty highly, but if you don't, if you know, if you don't recognize that he's a threat, um, you you don't really know what you're looking at. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, what, do, what do you think, Greg? Uh, you think, uh, Emmett has, uh, kind of earned his place up at the top, you know, with, uh, getting some, you know, some big ranked fights or you think he's still got another one before he gets to that level? Uh, looking at it from a betting perspective or DraftKings, FanDuel, anything you call, I've always faded Emmett. And I, and, and, and I know a lot of people have too, and I can understand why he would want some respect behind his name because yes, every time I look on the list and I see him there, I look, and I say, oh, that dude's got that damn showstopper. He's got it. He's got the curtain closer. He's got he's got that one hitter quitter. And he's likely to he's likely to connect. But I I, I was also on well I was on Burgos lightly, but I put a I put a great deal on that the fight would not go the distance because I had I really didn't think that one of those guys would be standing at the end of three rounds. And uh yeah, I think he does deserve a little bit more respect behind his name. I mean, they, they, they I think what well, they have him priced on DraftKings like seventy four hundred, and uh, he needs a little bit more respect behind his name. You know, I mean, he I'd like to see him. In, I'd like to see him and Brian Ortega. Yeah, I would like to see that one too. Next, I yeah, I'd like to see that one. And that, that one kind of makes sense, maybe, you know, who knows. Uh, the, the the feature bout uh, on this evening was uh, the ladies squaring off. Uh, it was Raquel Pennington taking a decision win over Marion Renault. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of high hopes for this one, but uh, Penn, Pennington looked like better than what I expected her to look like, honestly. So, you know, props to her there. I thought that, uh, you know, she had a pretty decent performance. I don't know if it's enough to make me think that she is, uh, you know, a contender or anything now. Now, uh, your thoughts, Justin? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think it was a, it was something that she definitely needed, you know, coming off of a, a fight that was not entertaining and, and that, you know, she lost. Um, you know, she needed to go out there and, you know, for the most part, it was a I feel like it was a, you know, a striking match. And um, she got to show what she enjoys doing um, and got the win. I think it was um, a good win for her. I don't, you know, it wasn't the the most entertaining fight in the world. Um, 
but I felt like, you know, I felt like she did a good job, you know, shutting Renault down. The uh, bout before that was uh, that one of the hardest ones to call for me. It was Bilal Muhammad taking on Lyman Good. Uh, one of those fights where, you know, I knew that Muhammad was probably just the better overall fighter. But I also knew that Good was going to be super hard to take down and packs like a lot of punching power, you know. So I was on Good and called that one wrong, too, unfortunately. But a uh, nice performance by both guys, really. I actually thought Lyman Good fought pretty well. Muhammad's just like really tough to He's tough to tough to beat. You know, he's a smart fighter. He's got a really good cage IQ. And, uh, you know, he goes out there and gets it done. Uh, Greg, uh, your thoughts on that one? I was on uh, Muhammad's side over there. Uh, I, I just thought he was a better all-around fighter. And, I, I mean, you talked about it beforehand. We have a Valor fighter that actually defeated Lyman Good up on the, uh, on the Ultimate Fighter just to get into the house. And I know that you know, Lyman Good's got takedown defense and stuff, but he hasn't really fought a whole lot of people who go for takedowns. I and mean, when they do, if they get them, he's, he's kind of lost. But, uh, uh, anywho, I was on Muhammad there, but as far as the third round goes, that was anybody's ball game at any time because he was, he was swinging hard. He, if he would just go in there that reckless, I think, from, you know, start to finish, I, I think he would have won that fight. We uh, now, you know, I I called the two wrong on uh, on Lyman Good and uh, Josh Burgos, but I think Justin and I made up for it on this next one as uh, we both went on the record and called some Jim Miller upset action uh, over Roosevelt Roberts. It was one of those spots where you know you had a, a prospect that was taking a massive step up in competition against a very salty vet in Jim Miller who really only loses to you know, in my opinion, it, you got to at least be like upper middle class you know, in the lightweight division to, to, to beat Jim Miller. And he was like a plus 185 favorite here. Gets it done in the first round. Uh, Justin. Yeah. So when they, you know, when they get guys like Roosevelt Roberts that they, that they think highly of, you know, they try to find somebody with a big name to put in front of them who they think they stand a good chance of beating to, to bounce off of. And Jim Miller basically just came and said, look, pick somebody else. Like I'm not, I'm not done. You're not going to make a name off of me. Um, and, you know, I think he, Came out there and looked great. You know, Jim Miller's just—he's been there 35 fights. I mean, the the amount of experience and adversity that he's been through, uh, you know, over his career is invaluable uh, in in these situations. And you know, his um, his mind is super strong. And um, you know, he's he's you know we've seen him snatch that arm time and time again. But um, you know, he's so comfortable in those positions that uh, you know if you get there, it's not a good good night for you. The uh, prelims, uh, we had Bobby uh, King Green getting a pretty clear-cut unanimous decision over Clay Guida. I liked him there. Tisha Torres with the uh, the upset on the books. She was nearly two to one underdog uh, against Brianna Van Buren. That one scared me because you know Tisha is an experienced fighter that's really only lost to the best of the best. I faded her and went with uh, Van Buren and uh, re- regretted that. A- Pretty much as soon as the second round started. Um, and then we had Mark Andre uh, Barreau with a, uh, a second round TKO over Oscar Pichota in a fight that was probably my least anticipated on the card there. And we still got a pretty nice finish out of it. Uh, Greg, any thoughts on uh, those uh, those prelims? Uh, none of those, but I did want to touch base on the Jim Miller fight. Yeah, go for it. Just when he, he, uh, Right before the fight started, he was he went to plus two hundred on a uh, my bookie, and uh, I went and checked the um, 
the prop bets and he was plus 330 for a submission win and uh he was plus 600 in the for a first round i didn't i didn't jump on that one i just thought that he would submit i would thought he would submit so i took under the uh, in uh, under the one and a half jim miller and uh submission and jim miller hit a lick right there on the books uh going back to all those with little tina uh, tiny, tiny girl. Tiny tornado. Uh, she, uh, she, 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 she's the one that fought Van Buren. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was plus 190 on the books, wasn't she? And uh, Yeah, she was near plus 200. I, I, sprinkled, I sprinkled a little bit on her just because I, I, like, we, we keep discussing all these, uh, these you know, up-and-comers who haven't been really tested. They only got one or two fights in the UFC, and they've been build fights, you know, to, to try to build their name. And, you know, Van, we were high on Van Buren, but, at the, you know, on the uh, on the books, I had to sprinkle a little bit on the on on Tiny, and uh, she ended up coming through. Those the fights all around, I enjoyed all those uh, all the prelims right there. The dogs were barking, but, man. Justin, you you got any thoughts on oh, yeah. uh, Bobby Green, Torres, uh, Barrio? Um, <clears throat> I thought it was a good a good show for Bobby Green. You know, he's he's had some questionable de- decision losses. It's been a while since he's gotten to feel that win and gotten that extra paycheck and stuff. And I think that he took the opportunity to um to really shed some light on on you know things in society and and that was a great look for him as well um same with with Tisha Torres you know she's she's one of those girls that has been at the top since she got here um and you know kind of was given somebody that I feel like you know I I believe that that um you know they gave Van her her to Van Buren to try to build Van Buren off of and you know much like Miller and Roosevelt Roberts exactly yeah, exactly, and um, that's you know, Tisha said not today. <laughs> you know, I mean, they did it with you know, with with Clay Guido, with Clay, Clay Guido and Bobby Green too, in a sense, I guess. You know, both those guys are kind of similar, but I think Bobby Green, you know, has the potential to make an a, an actual run in the division, where Clay doesn't really have that, you know, potential left in him. I don't think, um, but but it you know, it was a good look. You, a good name for Bobby Green to come out on top of and, you know, gets him a good fight next and with some good wins, he can put himself back in the conversation. Julian Robertson gets a, a third round a rear naked choke over Courtney Casey. I really liked Robertson in that match. Casey just doesn't have takedown defense. And I think, you know, she pulled off that submission over uh, Barella in her last fight, but I don't know that she is going to be able to come up to uh, flyweight and be content to be on her back so much fishing for submissions as she as she raises through the ranks. Uh, Justin James with a big upset, man. He takes a fight on like three days, four days notice, if that, uh, against Frank Camacho after Matt Frivola, uh, whom uh, uh, one of his cornermen is Billy Quarantillo, actually, uh, was tested positive for COVID, even though Frivola uh, tested negative and positive for the antibodies. But they still call that fight, and Justin Jane steps in and takes advantage of the opportunity and knocks out Frank Camacho in 41 seconds after Frank Camacho uh, missed weight. And uh, I was on Camacho there, so I, I wasn't good for me. Uh, and then we had Lauren Murphy uh, taking Amos' decision win over Roxanne Modafferi. Uh, we noted last week Modafferi looked to be in better physical condition uh, than to, you know, it looked like she was working on her strength and conditioning. So I thought that may help her here, but uh, it wasn't enough as uh, Lauren Murphy, just just too mean, just too too gritty, and uh, she gets the win there. Uh, Justin, any thoughts on uh, those three? Um, you know, 
for uh, for Justin Justin Jane's like you know how do you make a better a better uh, short term de- or short notice debut than that? It sucks. I'm sure that uh, that Matt Favola is sitting at home you know not happy with Billy Corintillo, um <laughs> you know for getting that fight canceled. I, you know this shitty situation obviously it wasn't his fault, but um, but that was huge for him. I, I thought that Roxanne was going to have the um, the experience and you know just a little more grit in her um, and and be able to ride out a decision. Um, but I was I was obviously wrong there. Um, the next fight is 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 the one I I'm kind of interested to hear what you guys have to say about the Austin uh, Hubbard uh, and uh, Rock. Yeah, yeah. I want to I want to spend a little time on that one uh, before we do. Greg, any thoughts there on uh, Jillian Robertson, uh, Justin James with a knockout, or Lauren Murphy? Uh, the, okay. All right, the, uh, I followed you with the lead on Robertson, man. Hell yeah, hit the lick. Uh, she got that finish. Uh, then we go to the Camacho one. I got my ass kicked, and you know what fucking pisses? Excuse me. You know what pisses me off more than anything is the fact that Camacho got knocked out, and that was that was a big deal for somebody to just come in on you know what four or five days note. How long did he have the note? Two days. Yeah, note? it wasn't long. Yeah. It was like three or four, I think. And and his and his UFC debut got overshadowed by the guy who we're about to speak about about Max. Man, I was on Max. I was on Max heavy, and the reason and I and I had him in every single parlay before. Before I heard the, I heard the news that he only he hadn't been training. He has not trained. Yes, he's a three-time Division One All-American uh, at North Carolina State. He's this. He's that. He's got five professional fights with five submission finishes and he had it at lower levels and he's got this and he's got that <clears throat> so i put him in every single parlay i had and then when i heard that i knew immediately i said this kid is going to be able to go the distance of a wrestling match that means he might have nine minutes in him at most and after that fatigue will sit in it will sit in and i knew right away as soon as he didn't get the submission he started slowing down and he was breathing heavy and i knew he was going to eclipse as far as the corner man goes, as far as the corner man goes, I um, I can't. I, I mean, I backed the corner man on. I mean, you know, I was just like, he. It's his job to to push the fighter to his limits. To to the, it's it's he he did what he was supposed to do. I mean, I, if you if you give me a corner man that says, oh, you want to quit? Okay, fuck it. Hey, you guys were quitting. I'm sorry, but I um, I probably would never have him in my corner again after the fact of that night. Because if somebody's gonna let you quit and not push you, you know. I mean, now, was his was his health at risk? I mean, well, that's why we have a that's why we have a referee, right? I mean, like the referee's job is the one that's supposed to stop it, you know. I mean, now nobody knows your fighter better than your obviously the fighter himself. But if your fighter is telling your coach, you know, I'm done, call it, call it, call it, it's the coach's job to come back and say, no, man, come on, you got this. He's supposed to inspire him. He's supposed to motivate him, you know. Oh, yeah, of course, man. And of course, to give a little context to what Greg's referring to, that was the opening contest of the night. Austin Hubbard uh, pulls off what the book saw as an upset win over the debuting uh, super prospect Max Roskopf, uh, decorated uh, North Carolina State uh, AAC champion wrestler, comes in at 5-0, and takes the fight on short notice. Um, I guess it was what, – what, what, what was that about a week? He would have a week, five week and a half. Days. Five days. Five okay. Days. 
five days notice. Um, man, we talked about it last week. We've been talking about it. These <laughs> these these super high prospects that they come in and they're fighting guys that are, you know, kind of established names at this. I'm not saying that Austin Hubbard is like a superstar, but Austin Hubbard trains with top notch guys. Drew Dober, Justin Gaethje. He's with that elevation team. His other his two previous uh, fights before this to Davi Hamos and um, uh, Mark Madsen, very uh, even more decorated grapplers than Max uh, Roscoff. And he's going to decision uh, losses with these guys, but he's hanging in there with them. Uh, I knew that this was going to be a very sketchy spot for Max. And after the first round, um, about a minute or two into the second, I was like, man, this is not good. If this guy can't get it to the ground, then he's is, is not a good situation for him. But a lot of that, he quits on his stool after the in between the second and third rounds. There's a lot of controversy. His coach, Robert Drysdale. Uh, who is a former UFC undefeated fighter himself, BJJ black belt, not a fly by night coach. You know, he's a guy that knows what he's doing. Uh, he's come under a lot of fire for uh, for not stopping that fight um, on his corner's behalf after I think they counted nine times at least that Max asked him to stop the fight in between. Um, so he's definitely come under a lot of fire. He's defended his decision even after the fact. Uh, more or less what Greg said, you know, he, he's trying to motivate his fighter. He's not going to let his fighter quit on himself when his fighter's not hurt. You know, if there's an injury there, then I definitely see that. Uh, but, you know, he's trying to motivate his fighter to get off the stool, in my opinion, on, in the biggest opportunity of his life. You know, with a lot of people watching, uh, he didn't want to let him quit on himself. Uh, that said, really good uh, performance by uh, Austin Hubbard, man. He, like he should have been the favorite for Austin Hubbard to be uh, plus 160 coming into that fight or so. Like he should have been probably minus 200 um, looking back on it. Yeah. Your thoughts on it, Justin? I think um, there's a lot to unpack with it, really. You know, as far as Robert Drysdale goes, you know, the people who seem to to be throwing the most criticism his way um, are journalists and and things like that. And, you know, it's it's kind of their job to get the story out there and, and, and everything. But, you know, Robert Drysdale won Abu Dhabi and in the absolute division. He, he won, you know, Worlds in Brazil. He was an MMA fighter who retired undefeated, who made it to the UFC. You know, he's been a coach forever. The guy coached Forrest Griffin, Frank Mir, Dan Hardy, uh, Evan Dunham. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. He knows what he's doing. It's it's he knows a little bit better than than a guy who writes a story. You know what I'm saying? Like to to criticize him like that is kind of your job, but in the in the way that they did it, I think was. just kind of a little ridiculous, never really experiencing these things and never, you know, this guy is, is the top of the top. I mean, he's, this is, he's the, the cream of the crop. And at the end of the day, when, when Roshkoff sat down, he said, call it. He didn't want the, the third round to start. The third round didn't start. So right, right. where the, where the, all this heat is, doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. It's, you know, yeah, you know, Drysdale has the ability to say, hey, ref, we don't, we don't want to come back out. In Nevada, the ref's the only person that can actually stop the fight. It has to be the ref's decision. But Drysdale can say, you know, we don't want to do this anymore, and, and the ref's going to go with it. But so can Max, you know. And he was, you know, part of me feels like 
to put that on the coach and expect him to get you out of there is that's not really why you brought him there. You know, a, a big a big difference, I think, in, you know, go, just taking it to, you know, something our listeners uh, maybe can relate to a little bit more. But one of the major differences you see in the amateurs with an independent fighter and a fighter who comes from a gym with a coach who's experienced and really knows him is they have someone pushing them that, you know, everybody comes to that that breaking point. That's a, a total mental thing. It's not, you know, he wasn't like like Greg said, he wasn't hurt. There was no, you know, in in the main event, we saw a guy with a, a blown up ACL. Um, he he tore like eight things in his knee or something. I mean, you know, and kept fighting through that whole thing. Like that's kind of the mindset that you have to be at this level. As an amateur, if you're sitting on the bench and you tell your coach that you don't want to keep fighting, it's a little bit different, I guess. Um, You know, I think maybe the coach has a little bit more responsibility because at the end of the day, you're not getting paid. This is all to gain experience. You don't want to go out there and take unnecessary damage. Um, But when you get to the UFC, it's that's like the time for that's over. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to this is the first time the kids ever faced adversity it sucks that it that it was on this level you know at this stage but um and a lot of guys are saying i heard somebody say that they think there should be a a minimum fight requirement to get into the ufc you know but but then you have a guy who's in the the co-main event of our next card who came in the ufc at one and up and now he's six and two in the ufc um you know i don't think that i don't think that everybody's the same obviously and um, if you listen to Max's coaches, his teammates, his, you know, his coaches at NC State, he requires that push. Sometimes he does break mentally. But could he have gone out there and, and changed the momentum and won that fight? Absolutely. There was nothing that was stopping that other than himself. Um, and I think Drysdale knew that and kept pushing. But it, he didn't make him go fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't know where the criticism for Drysdale just, that's kind I can of, tell I you're can, just as like baffled as I am. It blows me away. It's, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. It's crazy. Nevada said they're going to investigate it, and like there could be, yeah, you yeah. know, disciplinary acts. Like you're totally that. That's there's not one fighter that agrees with with you know that Drysdale was in the wrong. <laughs> Everybody in the sport defends Drysdale. You know, I, I mean, at the end of the day, the you know, the person who comes out worse than this is Max. At the end of the day, Max had to wake up Sunday morning and say, man, I've worked my entire life for this. And I just wasn't strong enough mentally to push through. And in front of the whole world, I told my coach, I couldn't, I didn't want to be here. I don't want to do this. You know, that's, uh, bro, bro. that's something he's not going to get over anytime soon. Yeah, at the yeah, end of the day, you know, for all for all of his decorations that he's got in wrestling now, this is going to be what he's tagged like the, the next time. Like, mm-hmm. first off, I don't know if he's going to get another UFC fight. That's a that's it's hard to say from what Dana said afterward. It was he's kind of noncommittal. He, he the reporter that asked him, he just said, well, what do you think? Do you think he deserves another one? Um, so who knows if he does? But if he does, you can imagine that when we preview his fight, that's the first thing we're going to refer to. Right. Is that is, mm-hmm. you know, it, we're going to question his heart. And man, you I know, it, it we're gonna oh, yeah, question is we're gonna question his heart, but there's so much more to it than that. 
you know, if you if you listen to anybody who trains with the kid, he can beat anybody in the top 10 in at 155 or 170. He trains with those guys constantly and within a round, taps them multiple times. But it's also his UFC debut. The amount of pressure, he's also a massive favorite over a guy who's established in the game. And the first fight of the night, and there's no crowd. Everybody is looking right at you. There's nothing else going on. Dana's sitting right there. Everything that you've worked for is culminating right now, but you didn't get to train for it. You just had to accept it because this is the UFC. When they call, you take the call. And, you know, the amount of pressure, you know, maybe, you know, as far as I understand, Drysdale says, you know, he's in the gym all the time. It's not like he was not training, but he obviously wasn't in camp. Um, But, you know, I think he probably has 15 minutes in him, but you, you, you know, take into effect, into account the adrenaline dump, you know, that, I mean, that's, that takes a lot out of you. And, um, I don't know, man, it's a, it's a bad, such shitty situation for the kid. I hate it. Great. Great. That, that's, that, that, he touched base on what I was going to say, the fatigue factor and everything. And, uh, and that's just, that's just I thought that's what I thought when that started sitting in is when you saw the tide change because on the ground the grappling exchanges were I'd say I was leaning towards towards Mike more but you know Austin uh, he's durable you know like I agree with you he shouldn't have been a plus one sixty favorite he he actually had a fight you know he actually had a fight it was scheduled for a fight you know I mean I don't uh, understand how Max you know according to all three judges Max lost the first round. I don't see that or how his coaches saw that or how he would have seen that. He definitely lost the second round. All the judges gave him a 10-8. So at that point, you know, the best case scenario, you can go out there and get a draw if you win the round. But he is capable of doing that. That is that is what he does is, you know, is the ground game. And he can go put you in a position and keep you there to do that. You know, so at the end of the day, unless he would have had a dominant third round, it would have ended up a draw. But Nobody sitting at home would have would have imagined that would be you know at the end of that fight no. if he would have come out and won you would have thought he won the fight and had he done that Robert Drysdale is the best coach in the world oh yeah yeah but yeah. because however Drysdale uh, would praise I think at that point yeah but because Max didn't do what Drysdale was asking him to do now Drysdale's you know a scumbag and it's just a weird thing you know you know I I also believe that if you know. If Max had a blown ACL or a broken jaw or a broken hand, it wouldn't have been a discussion. He would have sat down and said, my hand's broke, coach. Drysdale would have looked at it and said, all right, ref, it's done. You know, there's a major difference in stopping the fight because your your athlete is hurt and stopping a fight because they're mentally discouraged. That was the first round he's ever lost in his entire life, you know, and, and he got dominated in that round. And he, he mentally checked out and, you know, it's Drysdale's job to try to, to get him back in the game. That's what he did. Definitely a, a good night of action, I think, overall, with the exception of, uh, you know, that main event there, uh, Blades and uh, Volkov. We'll uh, chalk it up in the books, move on to our final segment of the evening, and that is going to be a preview of this weekend's action, once again coming from the Apex Center Saturday night. And uh, we've got 11 fights on the card, it looks like. We are headlined by a pretty good one, guys. This is a, a lightweight tilt, five rounds, 
two uh the top contenders are going to go at it to see who can kind of emerge you know and put himself into the that little top two or three uh it's going to be dustin poyer taking on dan the hangman hooker i'm excited for this one man poyer is opened as a pretty decent favorite a little better than two to one um man I, this one could go either way i think though hooker's been stepping up in some big fights uh you know he's been getting some main event slots and so i think he's coming in here to to make a statement personally and poyer's kind of got to hold it hold his ground if you will uh your thoughts on the uh, main event here justin i think uh you know this is the last show in vegas before they before they go to abu dhabi and um do the do the whole thing at yaz island and you couldn't you couldn't end it with a better main event um you know i i don't see how this fight absolutely doesn't absolutely deliver um i see five rounds of you know just all action both these guys are top top of the food chain um you know i think it's a it's an incredible fight man it's a super super hard call to fight obviously Poye coming off of a loss uh to khabib which you know you can't really hang your hat on um and hooker's riding you know a, a nice wave right now coming off of his last win over felder um you know in a close super close fight um i think at the end of the day uh i'll probably lean towards Poirier a little bit, just the experience and, and stuff. The last time that um, that we saw Hooker face some adversity like that, uh, or, or a, I guess uh, that caliber of a striker, I think, or, or anywhere close was Edson. Um, and, he you know, he couldn't hang with him. So uh, I think I like Poirier a little bit right now, man, but that's a super, super close fight. Uh, you got to lean on this one, Greg? Yeah, he said yeah. the same way I would. Uh, uh, Dan Hooker yeah, is willing to will, take a hit to get it. a hit, you know, but he doesn't always connect. But like I said, he's willing to take that hit, and Poirier is really willing to deliver some hit, and he, he's attacking the body pretty hard. Hooker taller than him. Uh, there's going to be a, 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 a larger target to aim for, and I. So for now, I'm not saying that Dan Hooker is not a live dog because he damn sure is. I don't. I don't. I don't know if we see a finish, so I wouldn't be placing no money on that. But uh, if I was leaning, I'd be going lightly towards Poirier. But that is a that's a close race there. With but uh, Poirier, yeah, I got Dustin. Even though we know how how high level Poirier is, I still feel like his striking is a little underrated, just because it's so fucking good, man. His striking is so clean, accurate. Um, I think he's a he's a real problem. You know, if, if you're going to go in there and, and exchange with him, and that's definitely what Hooker's going to do. But, you know, he can do it, too, so we'll see. Co-main event on this one. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we have got uh, – sorry, here I pulled up this card. It's an uh, interesting co-main event. It's Mickey Gall taking on Mike Perry, Platinum uh, Mike Platinum Perry. And this is um, a, a, definitely a stylistic class. You know, Gall more of a, a grappler, Perry, uh, you know, a brawler, very heavy-handed, but he's got good takedown defense. So Gall's not able to get him down. He could be in for a long night. I think there's been some stories out there where Mike Perry, is he just an is he independent now? Or, uh, yeah. Not sure he, yeah. Yeah, he, he's just kind of doing his own thing. So that could weigh into, into things as well. Uh, it, Greg, uh, your thoughts on this co-main event? Um, I'm really interested in this. Here's the here's I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you I'm going. No, I'm not. No, not yet. I'm going to go ahead and tell you Mickey Gall. Ha, I mean, who has he fought that's worth that? Like, I mean, like top top contender and anything. Uh, I mean, he's fought what 
Sage Northcutt? Is that that's about all he's fought, right? He fought Diego. Uh, CM Punk. He fought. He did. He lost to Diego Sanchez, uh, but he bought CM Punk. And I just I don't know the guy who I just always said the guy who ends up fighting CM Punk in the UFC is going to end up being the guy who ends up getting his ass kicked later on, because um, we knew he was going to beat the shit out of CM Punk. And uh, but here's and then you guys just mentioned it. Um, I don't know who he's fighting with, anything for, and he's also not going to be allowed to have his, uh, you know, his fiance, you know, the, the queen, she's not going to be able to come in there and be K-side or nothing like that. So I don't really think that's going to matter, but you, that's something to factor in for maybe some kind of havoc there because if it does go to the ground, uh, I mean, Mickey Gall, that's where he wants it to go. He, he's going to go. His, his takedown defense is shitty, and it's because every time anybody goes for a takedown, he gives it to him. So he, but I don't see Mike Perry even going for a takedown here. I see him standing and banging, and for that reason, I think he might end up finishing Mickey Gall, or Mickey Gall might end up submitting him. Uh, so I would probably put my wager on that the fight doesn't go the distance right here. But I would lean towards Mike Perry on this fight. Justin. Well, the Platinum Princess is no longer a factor. I think they got a divorce or something. He's got a new girlfriend who is going to be his corner uh, woman, I guess. And no coaches. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, just uh, just his girlfriend, maybe one of her friends, I think he said. So, um, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. It's, uh, it's going to be weird. You know, um, I just, I just but, like him. He don't give a shit. He just, I just like Perry, man. I just like him. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's um, something something really smart that that I think Mike Perry would do is to have his girlfriend be his uh, head trainer. Um, but you know, Mickey Gall's not got the, you know the high caliber opponents. But again, he's six and two. He is in the UFC. He is fighting guys who have made it to the UFC. Whether it's you know. He's obviously not fighting Cowboy. He's not fighting, you know, uh, he was supposed to fight Cowboy Oliveira. And, you know, that's somebody that, that Perry's fought before. But um, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's tough. If Mike Perry was with a gym and training and, and everything, I think it's a pretty easy pick. But that his his mindset makes it, I mean, he, he, he also may come out there and start dude in like 30 seconds. But if it gets into – if there's any – like, what's he going to do on the ground? Mickey Gall is a decent grappler. He's a black belt. I don't know that he's, you know, like the top-level top, top level black belts, but he, he is a black belt. What's what's uh, Perry going to do in that situation when he doesn't know how to get out and his coach isn't telling him how to get out? So, you know, it – I don't know. I see a lot of trouble. I, I think uh, – is Mickey Mickey's the dog, isn't he? Yeah, man, Perry's a three-to-one favorite. Yeah, yeah, I would probably be throwing a little on Mickey Gall, man. I, I think um, a Mickey Gall submission is is definitely not out of the question. I'm leaning Perry on this one just because I really have a hard time seeing Gall getting it where he needs it to be unless, like, Perry just kind of falls into some kind of trap. But, you know, I think as long as it stays standing, Perry is going to have a massive power advantage. And, you know, I think we stand a good chance of seeing a knockout here. That said, I don't know if I want to lay three to one on it. It's kind of more a parlay piece. Feature bout, former Valor. 
champion Brendan Allen uh, is going to be taking on the late replacement Kyle Dalkus. Uh, Brendan Allen originally supposed to take on Ian Heinish. I was pretty pumped for that fight. Uh, Heinish pulls out, and now we've got the debuting uh, Kyle Dalkus, who is 9-0 from that uh, New England scene. He actually has a win over Dustin Long, um, I see here. But uh, I think Brendan Allen is a, a pretty decent favorite here. I like him to win this fight. Uh, also on the main card, we got Maurice Green taking on uh, John Vellante. A heavyweight, Sean Woodson takes on the uh, late replacement Julian Arosa after Kyle Nelson uh, was not able to enter the country. So uh, th- that rounds out the main card, guys. I I like tell you what, I don't see how Maurice Green is this big a favorite over anybody. Uh, John Volante has shit the bed before, but man, I'm not. A, I don't think Maurice Green's that good. And so give me John Volante at that plus money. Uh, what is uh, your thoughts on the, any of the rest of this main card, Greg? Um, I've been finding a lot of uh, joy in winning bets online with not betting on fights that won't go the distance, and this is another one of them. I don't know which one of these guys wins, and I don't give a shit. <laughs> Neither one of them have a gas tank for shit. No, so I think that somebody's getting finished, and I would I would uh, pick that this fight doesn't go the distance. I don't know what the odds are, but that's what I would say. If I had a lean, I would go with Green because Green's going to go out there and try to go for the KO pretty quick. And if he doesn't get it, he'll he'll gas. And I, I just pray I just pray to the to the gambling gods that we don't see a grinding cage of a twenty five foot of nothing of two guys just rolling over each other against the cage. I, I just you know, not on the ground, but in the corners. But uh, that's what I would do is go with the fact that it doesn't go the distance. Justin, any thoughts on the rest of this main card? Um, I, I'm with you. I like. I, I wish that, uh, that the Ian Heinish and uh, Brendan Allen fight would have stayed together. I think that would have been a good a good fight. Um, I don't know a ton about his, his opponent, obviously, coming in 9-0. Um, you know, so, you know, he's, he's going to have the confidence behind him. But Brendan Allen is... is a, a monster so uh that, that would be a tough tough one to make your ufc debut against i think for sure here's a fun fact real quick kyle Dawkins has won one two three five out of his nine fights with darce chokes yeah i saw that earlier um the heavyweights uh you know i think this, this is the heavyweight debut for jean volante um <laughs> he's super back and forth man like you said uh, but Maurice Green is is not um, not somebody you really want to bet on very often. It doesn't seem like you know he's he's a guy that um, he didn't just wasn't really aspiring to be a mixed martial artist. You know he came into the gym at like 330 pounds or something and uh, wanted to lose some weight and just ended up fighting. And this is where he where he's ended up. You know it's not like uh, he's been fighting his whole life or anything. So this will probably be a pretty uh, pretty boring fight. Um, I'm looking forward to the to the Sean Woodson fight. Um, I think that kid's got a lot of potential and um, could be a good coming out party for him. The prelims uh, on this evening, it looks like, uh, has got some some good up-and-comers. And the featured prelim is another former Valor champ. we got two Valor champs on this card. It seems like these guys fight together a lot. Uh, Violent Bob Ross, Luis Pena, takes on uh, Comma Worthy who's coming off a big upset win over Devontae Smith. Uh, I like Pena here still. I feel like that was exactly what it was, was an upset uh, for Worthy, and I don't think that he's got the ground chops to hang with Pena um, here. Uh, we've got uh, some uh, low-level heavyweight action with Tanner Bozer 
uh, taking on uh, Felipe Lins, and um, that will be, um, uh, you know, kind of. A, I don't. I don't have high hopes for that one. I think that's going to be a bit of a slog, if you will. Um, we have Takashi Sato taking on Ramiz Bramaj. Uh, we've got Jordan Griffin uh, taking on Yusef Zalau, and then Jin Yufrey uh, takes on Kay Hansen in a battle of debuting Invicta fighters here. Uh, we had one drop today as Miranda Maverick withdrew from her fight against Mara Romero Barrell. I don't know if that is a fight that they are going to, uh, that they're going to reschedule or, or what. Um, we'll go to uh, Justin first. Uh, thoughts on the prelims? Anything stand out? Uh, I really like the the Luis Pena and Kama Worthy fight. You know, we haven't really gotten to see um, a lot of Kama Worthy, like you said, with that with his last fight. He looked great uh, for as long as it lasted, but he's going to have a, a massive test here. Um, and you know, Luis Pena is a lot less experienced overall. Um, that may play a factor into it. I don't know, but um, like I said, we haven't seen what Kama can do on the ground, but we know Luis Pena is going to be um, a handful for anybody. So I think it's going to be going to be an interesting fight for sure. Uh, Felipe Lenz, you know, is coming off that loss against uh, Arlovsky not well, long ago. Was that? He didn't look very good. No, nah, he didn't. He didn't look very good at all. So maybe uh, maybe this is an opportunity for him to to get that taste out of his mouth and and get a get a win here. Um, see that's really all i got on you know the, the only other thing i'm kind of looking at is uh the k hansen and, and jenny frey fight um you know k hansen fought emily in her ufc debut yeah um, or invicta yeah 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 that's what i mean, I mean in her mma or her pro mma debut was uh with invicta against emily um so uh and then you know jenny frey was um invicta champion and uh fought for the risen um, super atom weight title um, so that'll probably be a fun fight I think that it should be probably be up a little higher on the card maybe um, to try to mm-hmm. try to shine some light on this division um, but I think it'll be a fun fight Greg any thoughts on the prelims I got a thought on a lot of them actually I've been looking at these are the ones that I've actually been looking at more than the later fight the, the genuine fray I looked at one specific stat. The last time she had fought over 108 pounds in her whole career was her last fight as an amateur, which she lost. And uh, she's fighting up a weight class. Um, whereas uh, Kay Hansen, she's fought at, you know, as high as 125, and she fights a lot at 115, and that's what they're fighting is 115. She's 4-3 and three at 115 and 3-2, and two, and she's got a lot more experience here. Uh, I think she's going to be bigger. Uh, like not, I'm not talking about experience in fighting, but as far as in the weight class, I don't know. I think that Frey will be quicker on her feet and everything, but I think that the power will go to Hanson, and I think she'll control the fight and she'll win via decision. So I'm going Kay Hanson as the lean there. The next fight with Jordan Griffin and Yusuf Zahala. Uh, I think it's Zalal, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Zalal. I'll, I'll pronounce them all wrong. <laughs> uh, my lean is towards Yusuf, uh, but... I, I just think that this fight may not go the distance. It could go the distance, but I don't. I don't know if it does because um, uh, he has. Uh, you know, Usov's got two. He's got two losses via decision, uh, and the only way Griffin wins this fight, I believe, is by submission. And 
and that's the like that's likely how he wins. But if he doesn't win, I think he could get you know finished by uh, by Yusuf. But I would have to my lane for that one would be uh, oh Yusuf in there. Then we'll go to the uh, Sato uh, fight and Remiz right there. Uh, I think I think Remiz is a live dog here, man. He's uh, but here's the thing: if you go back and look at all their past opponents, and I know MMA don't MMA math don't matter, but you look at their past opponents, these guys have fought some shitty, shitty competition, both of them. And they've won and they've lost the shit, shitty competition. So both fighters are actually fighting probably one of the better fighters they've ever fought before here against each other. So I don't know how you have a lean, but you have a live dog here with Raymond's right there but i would have a lean towards sato unless he gets taken down if he gets taken down i, I think we could see a problem uh but they do they've held fought shitty opponents that could be a pass but i have a feeling that, that fight doesn't go the distance either because they both have a lot of finishes there going on to the next one with uh felipe lens and uh tanner bozer um that's we immediately when I heard Felipe Lenz's name, I just said fade because he lost Arlovski, <laughs> and that's exactly what the hell I said because he was a big favorite against Arlovski, and he, but he let me down so bad, like if it was awful, it, it was it sucked. So and so, but Tanner Bowser, man, like I mean, how do you have confidence in putting your money on this guy? Exactly, like, exactly. How do you have confidence? No world beater. Now here he's, I've got his little I've got his stats here. He's got eight wins by knockout, which is cool. He's got one loss by knockout. Uh, he's got actually uh, two wins by submission. And uh, here's the kicker: he's got five wins by decision, and or I'm sorry, seven wins by decision, and five losses by decision. That's a lot of damn decisions for being a heavyweight fighter. And he's got 11 finishes. He's got one draw. Uh, Felipe, on the other hand, has got uh, eight knockouts. We eight knockout wins, three knockout losses, four submission wins, uh, and two and two losses via knockout. I see. I think we have a uh, like a literally around like sixty three percent chance that you see a knockout here, and either way, or a finish, a submission, or something. The fight doesn't go the distance, but that damn Tanner Bozer guy. I don't. Uh, I don't like that he's got 12 damn decisions, seven wins and five losses decisions. Who does that at heavyweight? I think that Felipe, like, <clears throat> to, to reiterate what Justin said, Lenz has got to play, uh, got to play catch up here. Uh, you know, if you don't like how you damn burger, throw some catch up on it and eat it. I, I think he's got to win one here. So my lean is again towards Lenz, even though I just told you how much I fucking hate him. But I, I don't think the fight goes the distance, and I'm just going with the numbers there. Uh, that's that's all I got for those. And then I also, with the Pena and Worthy fight, Worthy just throws damn bombs, haymakers. Pena, we've watched him. He He's, he's long enough to be able to take, um, you know, stand toe-to-toe and lean back. You know, is this fight at 155? Yeah. So he's – but we haven't seen anybody yet, have we, that's been able to throw that damn – and land square – as as Worthy did the other day, you know, Worthy did that. That was kind of nowhere. Nobody had him. And I mean, is he something on that should, should be on the radar? I mean, you know, like, we keep seeing all these guys coming in that aren't been proven. But I mean, he's got a knockout, you know. Uh, in the UFC, 
what, what Luis has got, he's got a couple finishes in the UFC. Do we see this go to this? I don't like putting money on Luis Pena to get finishes or even having him on the DraftKings anymore because when he does fight, he he usually fights very, very intelligent, very smart. He just secures a position and holds what he's got and he throws his slick, his slick uh, jabs in and he gets his points and he gets his points and then he wins the rounds and he tries not to take damage. Worthy's not going to play that game. Worthy's going to go out there and he's going to go balls deep to the wall. You know, glory hole, here we go. And he's going to fucking throw hard. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't hit, I think he gets, he ends up getting submitted. Luis Pena takes his back, body triangles, and puts him in a rear naked choke. And that's, that's ball game for, for Worthy. So I'm just going to go with the fight. Doesn't go the distance. And I don't know what the odds are, but that's what I'm saying there. Did you just reference? Go ahead, go ahead, Justin. Did you just reference yeah, yeah, Kama Worthy yeah, going yeah. to a glory hole with uh, – all right, just making sure. Yeah. I think yeah, that we did tie the all on together. <laughs> all right, guys, let's wrap this up. with a, We're just going to do a quick rundown of each fight. I'm going to let you guys give your pick for each one real quick. I'll do the same. I'll start us off here. And uh, just super quick, I'll go with uh, Dan Hooker with the upset. I like Mike Perry over uh, Mickey Gall. Uh, Brendan Allen I'll take. I'll take John Volante with another upset there. Um, I'll go with Sean Woodson to stay undefeated over Julian Arosa. I'll go with Luis Pena for the win. Oh, this next one's I really don't like it at all, man. I'm going to go with Bozer, but with no confidence. Um, I'll go with the uh, newcomer, Ramaj. I'll go with Jordan Griffin. I think he outclasses the law. I think he's just been in there with, with better competition. I think he does sub him. And I'm going to go against Greg on this other one, too, and go with uh, Jin Frey once again. I think she just has been in there with a much, much higher level of competition than, than Kay Hansen has. Uh, Justin, your uh, quick picks. I will take uh, Dustin Poirier, Nikki Gall, Brennan Allen, Jean Volante, Sean Woodson, uh, Luis Pena, um, I don't know, Felipe Lenz, uh, Takashi Sota, Jordan Griffin, and I like Kay Hansen. All right, Greg, I'll let you uh, finish us off here. Uh, glory Hill style. <laughs> nah, glory Hill style, baby. <laughs> uh, Dustin Poirier, Mike Perry, Brandon Allen, Maurice Green, Sean Woodson, Luis Pena, Felipe Lenz. Hmm. I got to go with Takashi Soto, Jordan Griffin, and Kay Hansen. So riding those favorites, old Greg is taking the easy. I don't way. know, I'm man. Not. I might have to hold on now. Let me go back. I'm going to go with Yusef. Yeah, I was leaning towards him earlier. Y- y'all are trying to talk me into going to Jordan Griffin. I think both of y'all went Griffin, didn't you? Yeah. I think, I think Griffin's just. Yeah, I just think he's fought better guys. I think he's beat better guys. Competition. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, we're going to have to go with Jordan Griffin. He's got 25 fights on his record versus 10. I'm sorry. I go back and I, my lean is towards Griffin. Now, yeah, we're going to go with that. All right, bet. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. That will uh, we'll, we'll come back. We'll recap all this uh, nonsense next week as well as Pitt's panel for valor 71 so we got to get ready to uh, lock back in with picks panel next week and that's going to wrap it up for this week guys i appreciate our guests for joining us earlier thanks so much to rocket ray hewitt alan miller and also jackson donovan as they get ready for their bouts next weekend at the cotton eye joe for vfc 71 thanks so much also to justin watson and greg hopkins for sitting in this evening till next week i'm your host tim loy signing out for the valor hour peace
This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. The one point that I believe people are not talking about is the point of how this situation looked for the common sports fan sitting on their couch when you have an athlete say at least nine times, maybe as much as 11 times, that he doesn't want to compete anymore. Yeah, for anyone watching that clip on the broadcast, it's it looks bad. I mean, with the benefit of hindsight, I'm not ready to completely eviscerate Robert Drysdale, but I still, I still think he did a bad job in that corner. And the reason being is, yes, you're trying to push your athlete, but there are some athletes who mentally can check themselves out of fights. You know, like they can literally, the mental game is a very difficult thing. Some people are just way more confident mentally and some people can lose it mentally. I'm someone who loses it mentally and it's important to have a coach that understands the fine line between motivating and listening. And he should have listened to Max way earlier because the big what if is maybe after the seventh time Max told him he's done. He got tired of his coach telling him to keep on fighting, and he accepted, okay, fine, let me go fight. So what if Robert actually persuaded Max to fight? Round three starts, and Max gets obliterated. That is what could have happened because of Robert's actions. And so that's why I will criticize Robert Drysdale, is even though the fight did stop, he tried so hard to get Max back in that fight. And the thing is, after the first or second time of Max with his eyes at the ground saying, I can't do it, I believe he should have listened to him because had he gone out around three, I think he would have been mentally checked out and I think he would have got finished and there would have been more damage. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.